listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Good to see everybody today. Uh, we're in part three already. 21 laws that uh, really govern extraordinary success. Um, we did the first two days. Uh, we've gone through 10 of the principles already. T- today I'm going to give you five more. But <clears throat> what I've learned after 20 years of full-time ministry and being around the ministry my entire life, I've learned that obviously, and you know this, and if you don't, you should know this, that success, especially in your purpose, is never accidental. Success is never accidental. It is something that is uh, planned, predetermined, and it's governed by principles always. And so I thought this week, in fact, Monday morning, when I was praying before I came to the broadcast, I felt to do this because, um, you know, as you know, we've been declaring, confessing, that this is our year of divine possession. This is our year that we're going to do what we've never done. We're going to go where we've never gone. We're going to have what we've never had. And uh, it's great to confess that. It's great to believe it. It's great to set your faith. But the question is, um, what are the practical steps you can take in order to see that become a reality? And a more important question than that is, um, what are the biblical practical steps that you can take? What are the biblical practical steps that you can take? So that's what we're dealing with this week, is we're dealing with the biblical practical steps you can take on your way to a year of divine possession ownership, uh, a year where we are seeing the blessing of God manifested in our lives, in our families, in our ministries, businesses. And, And we're dealing with that through these 21 things that I'm, I'm showing you from the Word of God. So today we're going to continue on with that. I'm going to give you five more of these principles. By Friday, we're going to be finished. Um, but this will be, let me just tell you, this will be a good series also to go back and to re-listen to and to kind of keep on repeat on, on replay. Because if you'll see these things uh, in operation in your life, ministry, business, whatever, you will see steady increase. People think that, I'm telling you, people think that steady increase is just like a sovereign act of God. It's not a sovereign act of God. It is our obedience to his instructions, to his uh, conditions that are already set out in the Bible. Um, uh, The other thing that I want to mention again is don't ever, I've been reinforcing this every morning, don't ever let anyone make you feel bad or for the grammatical Nazis, badly, about increasing, about being blessed, about having the increase of God in your life. Expansion. Don't ever let anyone make you feel bad that God's blessing is upon your life. You know, one time, I'll tell you a story about that because it made me laugh. One time, I had a guy that was, was teaching a group of young ministers. I didn't invite him. I was like, I was like sitting there. I was very young. And I was listening to him and he was speaking to younger ministers. I was probably only 18, 19 years old. And uh, he was speaking to uh, future evangelists. 
And um, he said, you know, as you travel as an evangelist, he said, one of the things that's very smart for you to do, he said, you know, if you're going to a church to preach to people, he said, uh, you know, if you, if you have a nice car, don't drive that car to the meeting. Find, find another one if you've got to rent one. He said, don't pull up in, in a, a really nice car. He said, if you have a really nice watch, he said, don't wear that really nice watch. He said, if you've got nice, a nice ring or nice ring, he said, don't wear that. Don't wear that nice ring. He said, and this is, this is literally why he was teaching us this. It really didn't have anything to do with humility. And that's not humility anyway. It's false humility. But it didn't have anything to do with that. His reasoning was, if the people of that church see that you have a nice car and they see that you got a really nice watch on or nice, nice jewelry, he said, you know, they're going to be less likely to give in the offering. <laughs> That's what this guy's teaching younger ministers. And, uh, you know, I, I was really young, but even at like 18 years old, I was like, that doesn't sound quite right. Because remember this, his hypothesis depends on the fact that he believes, that guy that was teaching that, he believes men and women are your source. He believes Men and women are your source rather than God being your source. Men, men and women are not my provider. They're not your provider. God is your provider. He's the all-sufficient one. He's the one who uh, takes care of you, does supernatural things to make sure that you're taken care of. It's not people. Listen. I love, I love what Bishop David Oyedepo says. He said, if everybody in my church, talking about his church, he said, if every one of you stopped giving in the offering today, this ministry would continue forward doing what God called it to do. And he was teaching them the point, you're not the provider of this ministry. The Lord is the provider. And he, basically what he was teaching them was, if you don't step up and do what the Lord's called you to do, God will raise other people up that will come and do what he's called them to do. Because remember this, if God's called you to do something, then he's the one who's responsible to provide for what he's called you to do. It's his call. It's his purpose. So it's his responsibility. And, and he was making that point to his church in Nigeria, which is the largest church in the world and has probably the most increased prosperity of any church in the world. And he was telling them, I'm not called by men, I'm called by God. This vision was not started by me, it was a mandate from God. And that's the key. And what that other minister seemed to not understand was, uh, even if people don't like, I mean, look at the Bible. There's all kinds of stories of people that didn't like God's people because of their increase, their blessing. That doesn't mean they can stop it. You can't stop it. You know what I'm saying? And so I can remember, I mean, even early on in, in our ministry, and those of you that have heard me talk about this before have probably heard me say this. In the very first year of our ministry full-time on the road, Carolyn and I brought in a total in, in offerings, in partnership, $6,800. $6,800 from our ministry in a 12-month period. And so there were obviously times that God had to do supernatural things for us 
to keep us going. Of course, we never quit. We continued to press in and we're still pressing in. But imagine you have at the end of 12 months, you've had $6,800 come in for your family. Well, God would do supernatural things. And if I went to some church, you know, I went to a place one time, I'll just, I'll, I'll give you a really, uh, kind of a funny story because you know, whether you know it or not, there are crooked people, even in the ministry. Of course, they don't stay in the ministry. They get removed by the Lord, uh, as was the case with this person. But I went, I was in a, I was in a different place in Florida and, um, because I was coming through the area, there was a, a lady there who pastored a church and she said, um, Hey, I saw that you're in town. I would love you to come over and, uh, I would love you to speak at our church. She said, come over, have a meeting, do your, do your thing. Well, we had people in the area that loved us, that supported our ministry, that wanted to be a part of that service. So I said, sure. You know, I, I was open. I said, I'll, I'll come over and preach. She wanted to just do like one night. I said, that's fine. I'll come do one night, preach at your church. And so I went over to her church and we had a good crowd, you know, she didn't have a huge building, but we had a pretty full crowd in her, in her building. And she, she met me beforehand. She said, now, listen, do your thing. She said, I want you to preach, you know, pray for people. She said, take your own offering, do what you'd normally do in a revival, do your own thing. I said, well, that's very kind. Thank you. And so I preached, we had miracles. I had a lady, a tumor, uh, dissolved off of somebody that night. I think we had one deaf ear come open on one side. We had good meeting. It was one night, good miracles, people responding to the power of God. And then she said, take your own offering. So I took my own offering at the end. And uh, I know for a fact, because I know who was there, I know for a fact that there were business people there that had come specifically to be a part of our ministry. And they loved us, wanted to sow largely, you know, into our ministry. So I, I gave the vision of our ministry. And, uh, I, I received the offering. I mean, people were coming to everybody coming to the altar, sowing offerings, sowing seed into our ministry. And, uh, I know that the business people that were there were sowing largely into our ministry. And, um, after the service was over, I went back and, uh, uh, I know they had been, they were counting the offering and stuff in the back. And a lady came up to me and she said, God bless you, brother Ted. And she handed me a white envelope. I thought, wow, that was, that was nice to that lady. And I opened it up and it was, um, five $20 bills. It's a hundred dollars, five twenties. And I said, wow, that was, that was really nice of that lady to, to sew a hundred dollars like that and, and bless me. And then the more I was looking around and thinking about it, I thought to myself, I have a suspicion that this five $20 bills is actually them giving me my offering for tonight's service. I had a feeling. And so, uh, the, everybody kind of felt filed out, you know, people finished fellowshipping and went home. And uh, I said to the pastor and her, her people on her staff and Carolyn, I said, I said you want to go eat? She said, yeah, let's, let's go eat something. So there was a steak and shake close by. So we went down to steak and shake and she still had not mentioned the pastor had not mentioned the offering to me. And so I thought to myself more and more, I'm thinking that five twenties was my offering. And so I went out and, uh, we went to steak and shake. I used the five twenties to buy dinner for every, for everybody that was there, her staff, her, me, Carolyn, whoever else came. And, uh, you know, I bought, I bought the meal with the five twenties and, um, 
And so we're leaving. And she still, the pastor still has not mentioned uh, the offering or how she's going to handle it, giving a check to our ministry or whatever it might be. And so I kind of figured out that the, the 520 was my offering. So I, I, I said, I stopped her in the parking lot. I said, uh, pastor, I said, would, were you going to just kind of put that to get to the offering together and just give one check to our ministry? Or how, how did you want to do that? And she had, she said, oh, she said, I thought my, I thought my administrator already took care of you. That's what she said. I thought my administrator already took care of you. The lady with the five twenties. I said, oh, I said, yeah, she did. I said, she did. I said, I just didn't know if giving me cash was okay for your bookkeeping. She said, no, you just be blessed. You just, you just be blessed. And so effectively she stole all that money that people had given. It was appropriated for our ministry. She stole all of it and gave me five $20 bills. Well, obviously you can't get bitter. You can't get angry, but every, you know, a few times things like that happened. Well, that means God had to do supernatural things for Carolyn and I, as we were starting out and he's still doing supernatural things, but he was taking care. Well, then you have other things happen. We're like a person that really is impacted and touched by your ministry comes. And we'd never had anything like this. I can remember early on our very first partner, uh, in the history of our ministry came up and sowed a seed to us of $5,000 into our ministry. And I thought, man, I had never had anybody. sow that kind of an offering, uh, into our ministry, even many churches were not giving us an offering like that after preaching. And here comes one guy who is, who's doing his own thing. And he's just feeling the Lord touching he and his wife and our very first partners, they sowed that, that check of $5,000. And man, we were like, you talk about dancing. Carolyn and I were like so happy that somebody had blessed us. And, uh, and I think back to those, those times where, uh, though, though there were times where it felt, it felt like, you know, it was like, oh man, what are we gonna do with a hundred dollars? But then, uh, God sends people, God sends people that will bless you. And, uh, as many of you, I'm sure can, um, Many of you, I'm sure, can guess that lady that stole the offering from me is no longer in the ministry. She's out of the ministry, no longer has a church, no longer preaching. Um, and, and that's what happens. God deals with those people himself. You don't have to deal with it. God does it. And um, Aaron asked, should, the, should those things be situated and understood beforehand like a contract, even just verbal agreement because you're dealing with men? Some people do it that way, Aaron. We never have. Even to this day, even with all that we're responsible for, we still don't do that. I, I'll still go to a pastor and say, we come, people will write our ministry and they'll ask Jenna, how much does it cost to have brother Ted come? And they're blown away and say, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost you anything. And so we come to churches and we pay for our, all of our own travel. That doesn't, the church doesn't buy our plane tickets or pay for our gas or any, get us around. The church doesn't do any of that. We get our own hotel rooms. The church doesn't pay for our hotel rooms. Uh, and of course there are some churches that just insist and insist and insist because they're very generous, but, uh, we, we take all the burden off the churches and then we just tell them, listen, all we do, I don't expect an honorarium. I don't expect any specific amount of money. We're just going to let the people of God give whatever's on their heart and whatever is on their heart that comes in is fine with us because we believe God will take care of us. And he has taken care of us and continues to bless us abundantly. So rather than put limits on people. See, because here's the thing, if there's any young ministers watching or any ministers that are doing this, I never want to put a limitation on God. 
You know, I could go in like some of these guys do and say, I want, I need $10,000 a night. Well, let me tell you something. You just limited yourself because of small thinking to $10,000. What if there was someone there in that crowd that wanted to sow $100,000 from their business or from their, you know, whatever. And you said, well, I, I need it. And the pastor says, well, he's just getting $10,000 a night. We'll take the other $90,000 for the church. You see what I mean? You don't, li- don't want to limit what God can do. As, and as I'm talking about these principles that cause you to have extraordinary success, uh, tying in with everything I've been telling you at the beginning of this, the, the number 11 today, we've covered one through 10 in the previous two. Number 11 today is that for people that are unstoppable, that's the name of this series, unstoppable, 21 laws for extraordinary success. For number 11, unstoppable people, for them, generosity is the norm. I want you to put that in the comments. I love you, Pastor David in Ohio. For unstoppable people, number 11, generosity is the norm. It's the norm. The generous will prosper. The Bible says those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And by the way, share the broadcast if you're just jumping on. For the unstoppable, generosity is the norm. And and everywhere that I've gone, everyone that I've met, all the people that I've seen, if they're unstoppably extraordinarily successful in their purpose, their calling, all of those people that I've met, all of them, are extremely generous people. I've never... I've never come into contact with people that are extraordinarily successful and they're not generous. They're stingy, especially in the Christian uh, world. I've never seen it. All of the people that I've seen that have been a blessing to me, I look at my father. My father is a huge blessing, huge blessing to everyone he meets, to every, everywhere that he goes. My father's just blessing people and blessing people and blessing people. I've seen him give and give and give. Oh, yeah. I mean, just my father's a giver. My father's a giver. I mean, there was a a pastor that's a friend of ours, wonderful man, and uh, recently and very sadly lost lost his wife. And my father felt to bless him and blessed him with a $25,000 watch just to be a blessing, just to let him know that he loves him. And, and encourage him. And I mean, I've seen my father bless and bless and bless people. And bless and bless and bless people. My father's very generous. People say, well, how do you get to that place of, of, of success? God knows he can trust you to be generous to others. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I recently heard Dr. Rodney Howard Brown talking. People, there's people get mad. I don't know why he's, he's got so much. I don't know why he's so successful. Well, let me tell you something. He found out last year he gave away seven and a half million dollars. <laughs> you wonder what's going to happen when your seed is seven and a half million dollars. Well, you better find out that if you're going to be that kind of a giver, you're going to have serious blessing coming back to you. Successful people are generous people. You know, there's people that give uh, Brother Copeland a hard time because he preaches the message on prosperity and success. Give him such a hard time. 
He's the devil. He's the devil in skin. He's the, he's the antichrist embodied. I mean, people have such a hard time with Brother Copeland. He flies in a private jet. He has private planes. And they're mad at him. What people don't know is that Brother Copeland has given away about 30 jets. Given them away. Not sold them. Given them. Given them. And so I don't know why he's got his own jets. I don't know why he's got his own airstrip. I don't know why he's got his... And they don't know. He's given away about 30 jets. 30. <laughs> I mean, think about that. 30. When I was sitting, as you've heard me tell the story, as I've, I love that, Denise. Don't judge a man's harvest if you haven't seen his seed. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. And Denise makes a great point. Don't judge a man's harvest if you've not seen his seed. And uh, I was sitting, as you've heard me tell the story, before he passed away with Dr. Reinhard Bonnke in Orlando, and he was just talking to us about his ministry. He was talking to us about all that God had done through his ministry. And he talked to us about when they hit a point in their ministry where the, they didn't have the finances to continue on in their, in their evangelistic crusades overseas. And he said, God raised up a man who had given... Uh, I think it was like $39 million since like 1989, something like that, $32 million since 1989. He said, and that man is Dr. Kenneth Copeland. And, you know, people don't know that, but if you've ever looked at Dr. Bonke's crusades that he used to have, I mean, where you've got millions of people being saved, you know, if you, if you count it up over the last 15 years of his ministry, you're looking at like 60 to 65 million salvations, 60 to 65 million salvations. Good morning, Pam. And, and here's a man that was not going to be able to continue on doing what he was called to do because the finances were not there. God raises up brother Kenneth Copeland, who sowed $32 million to keep those crusades happening. And people are mad. Well, he preaches at prosperity. He believes in everybody. and people get all mad at it, but they don't know. Here's a man who's given away close to 30 planes. Here's a man that's sown $32 million into another person's ministry so souls could be won. People don't know those things. And, they, and you know what? I'm sure he doesn't care if people know those things because he's not doing it for men. He's doing it for God. But I'm telling you, I've never seen successful people in any arena that are not generous people. And you know what's crazy about it is that seed time, sowing, it is a universal principle. It's a universal principle. I remember I was watching um, an interview one time with uh, Russell, um, help me out in the comments. I just forgot his last name. Uh, Russell, um, oh, come on. He has the clothing line and all that stuff. Isn't he the one that did Rock Aware? Russell, uh, do you know who I'm talking about, Tiff? Uh, not Russell Crowe. He's an actor. I'm talking about the guy that did Rock Aware, and he's, he's, he's very wealthy. Got a lot of different uh, companies he started. It's not Russell Wilson. I'm trying to remember. You find it. Russell Simmons. Boom. Russell Simmons. There it is. Thanks, Ralph. Russell Simmons. And I, I, was, I was listening to Russell Simmons talk one time, he and his wife. 
and I, I don't, maybe they claim to be Christians. I don't know if they do or not. I mean, does anybody else know? Ralph, do you know if they claim to be Christians? Russell Simmons. But Russell Simmons was talking on a television interview. And they were like, how are you always so successful? How do you always have so much? Like, you know, they're ta talking about that. How do you always have so much? You know, how is it that you're always so successful in all you do? I was so blown away by his answer. He looked at his wife and they said, you know, we've always made up in our mind that we're going to be givers. They're Buddhist. Look at that. Ralph said they're Buddhist. So they're not even Christians. They're not even Christians. But look at this universal principle at work. The law of seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. And so uh, you look at, he said, we, we made up our minds that we're always going to be generous. We're going to be givers. We're going to give to others. He said, that's a massive part of our life. We just, we have made a vow with each other that we're going to give and give and give. And it's like people don't even recognize the fact that this is a, this is a principle of success, generosity. It's a biblical principle. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Let me tell you, if you go out and buy a field and take seed and plant that seed in the ground, the ground doesn't care if you're a Christian or not. The ground doesn't care if you're a Buddhist. The ground doesn't care if you're a Hindu. There are Hindu farmers, Buddhist farmers, Christian farmers, atheist farmers. But guess what? The crop still comes up. Because seed time and harvest is a universal principle that God set in motion. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. It's a universal. It's a universal law. And people that I've, you see that are successful, they are generous people. They are giving people. It's, it's a supernatural thing to watch. It's a supernatural thing to watch. You can't even... It's, it's mind-blowing, and the Lord's taught me it over and over the principle. Taught me over and over the principle of generosity. And I've, I've, you always know it from the Scripture, but it's a whole other story when it's working in your life. And many of you that are watching, listening, you can attest to that. You've had it working in your life. Working in your life. Working in your life. And it's a supernatural thing. If you want to see that kind of exponential growth and increase, you must be a generous sower. No question. No question. That's why Carolyn and I, let me tell you what shifted my whole life. I'll be very honest with you. I'll be very transparent with you. The thing that shifted my entire life and trajectory is when I started praying differently about my giving, my sowing. See, because before I totally, and I knew that giving is the key, but you know, I would give, and then when I would give, I would say, now, Lord, I thank you. I, I'm asking you to bring back the largest harvests this year that we've ever seen. Well, I, I then, it snapped in my mind. It's like something you know, but you don't know. You think about it, but you don't really acknowledge it. It snapped in my mind. You can't pray for larger harvests to come back. You can't pray for that. You pray for larger seed to come into your hand. Because your harvests that come back to you are directly uh, uh, affected by the seed that you've sown. Amen. If you sow sparingly, what do you reap? Sparingly. If you sow bountifully, what do you reap? Bountifully. And so the thing that snapped in my mind is that Carolyn and I, we stopped praying, oh Lord, let the largest harvest come back this year we've ever seen. No. 
Our prayer is, because what does the Bible teach in 2 Corinthians chapter 9? That God gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. And so, you know, he knows our hearts. He knows that Carolyn and I are sowers. We are sowers. And so, you know, we pray instead, Lord, put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever sown this year. Let us sow the largest seeds that we've ever sown. And let me tell you, God has answered those prayers consistently in our lives. And we've just continued to level up in our giving. Well, that causes you to explode in harvest. No question about it. That's right, AJ. In fact, uh, everybody, I want you to put that, uh, put that in the comments like AJ did. My harvest is determined by my seed. My harvest is determined by my seed. You, Robert, the answer to that is, he said, I've struggled in this because of so much discouragement. How do I break through and out of that? The, the key is this. You never give based on feeling or emotion. I don't care if you're discouraged. I don't care if you're excited. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You, you give from obedience to the word, never out of feeling or emotion. We don't give. I give because it is a scriptural principle that I'm engaging in. It has nothing to do with how I feel about it. Now, God loves a cheerful giver, but, and I'm, I'm, you know, you, you make yourself, like Paul said, I put my body under, I make myself into what God wants me to be by self-control. But I'll tell you, I never give by feeling or emotion. And in fact, I'll tell you this, if I ever feel like I'm being manipulated, if I ever feel like I'm being um, pressured, I don't give anything. Not a cent, not a penny, not a wooden nickel. Why? Because the Bible says, Paul taught this principle. He said, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because God loves a cheerful giver. I will not let any man or woman steal the joy of my giving. I will not allow it to happen. And then AJ puts the reference there in the, in the chat, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I will not be manipulated to give. I will not be pressured to give. I do it because I love the Lord and I love his word and I love his systems. I love his systems. That's right, Sam Fitch. Pastor Sam's on today. Obedience is the doorway to the supernatural. That's right. That's exactly right. And so if we feel pressured, if we feel manipulated, we do not sow. Because I refuse to let any man or any woman steal the joy of my giving and steal my harvest. I will not allow it. I love God's word. I love his systems. I love him. That's why I sow. It has nothing to do with emotion. It has nothing to do with feelings or how I feel about giving. And many times to answer... Um, Robert's question, you break through your emotions by actions of faith. You break through your emotions by actions of faith. And so let me tell you, it is such a powerful thing to live a life of generosity. Now I know everybody's at different levels, but your level changes based on your obedience and faithfulness. Let me tell you, there, there was, I wasn't always able to sow, you know, 10, 20,000, 30,000, $35,000 seeds. I wasn't always able to do that. My wife and I were sitting on the couch last night uh, as the kids were playing and we were just, 
uh, talking back about how far God's brought us, how much he's done for us in, in our lives. And, and she began to tear up in, in gratitude, uh, thinking about how much God did for us. And, and back in the times when we were like check to check in our, our bills, like we were trying to get our bills paid and was like under a mound of credit card debt. And it was like nobody was calling and, you know, and, and, you, and you think how far you've come, how much God has done. I mean, people, I'm sure people never thought that about my, myself or my wife. But I mean, you know, you go back and there were times where, you know, at the beginning, we were just believing God to go every week, believing God to have uh, our needs met every week. But you know what? We never, ever stopped our generosity. Can I tell you, even when we were in credit card debt, even when we, we had things that we couldn't uh, fully get out from under, we never stopped tithing and we never stopped sowing largely. And at the time, which, what was large to us? And that's always relative to where you're at. But I'm telling you, we never stopped. And God brought us right out of that. And then took us into overflow. And then caused us to be debt free. And then causes us to abound. And, and our prayer is still the same. Lord, put the biggest seeds in our hand that we've ever sown in Jesus' name. And he does it. He constantly does it. Why? Because he gives seed to the sower. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to see those kinds of breakthroughs happen, you have to make up your mind. I'm going to sow like I've never sown in my life. Like I've never sown. You know, and, and I'll share this with you before we move on, because I know we've, we've, we've done this one for a little bit now. But um, I'll tell you this. One of the things that is so so powerful is, of course, the Bible tells us if we're faithful over a little, he'll make us ruler over much. We know that. Uh, and so you start where you are. You always start where you are. But you make up your mind. I'm going to set goals because here's the thing that broke us free in our sowing. And I've talked about this before. Have you ever uh, been sowing offerings before? And uh, you start to feel like, well, this, this really doesn't move me anymore. I mean, have you ever been there before where you're like, man, this doesn't seem to move me anymore. This, this doesn't seem to shake my faith anymore. Well, why, why do you think that is? It's because God's leveled you up. The stuff that used to mean a lot to you doesn't mean a lot to you anymore. It used to, but it doesn't now because your faith has grown. Your level has increased everything God's done for you. So you know what that means when you start to feel like, like that, it's time to go beyond. Maybe you're the person that you pay your tithes and then you always give a $100 offering or something like that. And you start to realize, man, that $100 doesn't feel like a lot to me anymore. Well, it's time to increase. That's why introspection and in giving is one of the most important things that you can uh, engage in. You know, is that, because remember this principle, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I ask myself every time I'm getting ready to sow something into God's kingdom, does this still take faith for me to do? That's the question you need to ask. Put it in the chat. Put it in the comments. Does this still take faith for me to do? And if the answer is no, I need to move on to something that does take faith for me to do. There's times my wife will do it to me. There's times I'll do it to my wife. And I'll say, like, what did you feel to sow? And then what she tells me uh, that she felt to sow in her spirit sometimes is double 
what I felt to sow in my spirit. But you know what I'll say? I'm with you on it. Let's do the larger amount. Let's, because that shook me. I was like, hey, I was going to do this. She's doing double that. I said, let's do it. Let's do it. And I'll, and I'll just say, let's, let's do what you, what you feel. I always operate by that principle. If we have two different amounts in our spirit, we always do the larger amount. Always. Sometimes uh, it'll happen the other way. She'll say, I felt to give this. What did you feel? I said, no, I felt to do double that. And, and she'll say, well, I trust you. Let's do that. Let's do what you said. And we always opt for the larger in our spirit. And there's many, many times we have the exact same amount in our hearts to give. But we always opt for what takes more faith versus what takes less faith. Always. Always. You can't go wrong obeying God. You can't go wrong operating in faith. You can't go wrong obeying his instructions. You can't. You put God first, he puts you first. And I'm telling you, this is such a massive principle uh, in, in this series that if you're going to be somebody who has extraordinary success, you've got to be a generous giver, generous person. Number 12. Oh man, this is big. Successful people, unstoppable people guard their thoughts and words. They guard their thoughts and words. Yesterday we talked about a principle. They fiercely guard their relationships. Today, get this, number 12, they guard their thoughts and their words. That is, I mean, <laughs> with all the people we've talked to, all the people that we've dealt with, I wish if I could impart one thing to, to people that would save them from more problems than anything, guard your thoughts and words. Where your mind's at. Guard your thoughts and words. People get discouraged. They, they break down. They feel like quitting. They're ready to throw in the towel. Guard your thoughts and words. Part of that is what we talked about yesterday, fiercely guarding your relationships. Because the people that you hang around will determine the conversations you have, and the conversations you have will determine your thoughts, and then your words, ultimately your actions. Let me read to you from uh, Philippians. Actually, you go to Philippians 4, and I'm going to read you a psalm real quick before we go to F Philippians chapter 4. But turn to Philippians chapter 4 if you have your Bible out and you're listening in that way. Uh, it's Psalm 141. Listen to this. David wrote this. Verses 3 and 4. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. This is David's psalm. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's Psalm 141, verse 3. Look at verse 4. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds, in company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. Set a watch over my mouth. Guard my lips. That's what David's praying to God here. Why? He understands how important his words are he understands how important what is in his heart is. Guard your thoughts and guard your words. Look at uh, Paul's teaching to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, and um, let's, uh, let's start with verse 8. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brothers, 
Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. So Paul is teaching a couple things here. Number one, he's teaching that you can choose what you meditate on. You can choose what fills your mind. You know, I actually used to have people kind of me say, Brother Ted, I can't control what comes into my mind. You may not be able to control every thought that pops into your mind, but you know what you can control? Whether or not you meditate on it. You can control that. Whether or not you meditate on it. Or you can put it out of your mind. And you can do what the Bible says and take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. Take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. So you have control over your thoughts. You have, you know, you've been given the, one of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. You've been given control over your thoughts. You've been given control over your mind. So vital. And you take control. And Paul said, rather than allow yourself to think about one set of things, think about this set of things. Whatever's pure, lovely, worthy of praise, excellent. If there's any virtue, if it's, think about those types of things. Choose and set, get this now, another verse of scripture from Colossians, set your mind on things above. You see that? Set your mind. You can set it on something. Meditation. So that's, people, people hear the word meditation and they, they automatically think of, you know, like some kind of a new age thing or a Buddhist thing or whatever it might be. And meditation is something that God instituted. God did that. Yeah. Excellent, Ashley. She said, when I was going through a difficult season, I would mentally picture myself nailing every bad thought to the actual cross and walking away. That's something F.F. Bosworth said. Jesus came down, but your problems stayed up. And the, and the key is, uh, as you're looking at this, you can set your mind. So literally, meditation is not a new age principle. It's not a Buddhist principle. It's a God principle. He instituted it. He instituted the meditations of your heart, the meditations of your mind and how they function in your life as a, a, a Christian and as a, even in the Old Testament, those that followed God. And you use that power of meditating on God's word to, number one, renew your mind. Did you know that the Bible teaches that the word of God is a washing agent, a cleansing agent, that the Bible says that God used to cleanse the church? You can renew your mind by filling it with the Word of God. Lenny Ann quotes Isaiah 26, 3, you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, you see. And that's key. You set your mind, set it on things above. This Word will fill you with joy, with peace, with healing, with success. Set your mind on it. And then what? Guard your words. Don't just say what everybody else is saying. Don't, let me, let me just make this, uh, make this a, a rule for every one of us. Don't say 
things that are contradictory to the Word of God. Don't, you know, people got mad at me uh, a few weeks ago because I put something out on Twitter and on, on, uh, on uh, Instagram and said, you know, that I don't agree with this whole thought process that all these Christians run around about. How many know we're all sinners? I was watching a show last night, and in the show, the, the people that are the starring in the show go to church, and the pastor's up there, and he's reading uh, from one of Paul's letters, and he says, how many know we're all sinners? We're all sinners. I was like, speak for yourself. I don't believe that whole doctrine that you know we're all just sinners. No, we're not. The Bible says that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Can a Christian commit sin? Yes. But that doesn't mean that a Christian is a sinner. We're not dead in trespasses and in sins. We're, we're not unregenerated. We're not on our way to hell. We've been regenerated. We are alive in Christ. We are new creations. Yes, a Christian can commit a sin, but let me tell you, it doesn't change your nature. Yeah, there's another one. There's two types of sinners, brother. There's sinners and forgiven ones. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, and Christians don't practice sin. That's right, Daryl. We're not making a practice of sin. And there's repentance and there's forgiveness, of course. But that doesn't mean that our nature goes back into, I'm dead in trespasses. No, you're not dead in trespasses and in sins. You're alive in Christ. He brought you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You're regenerated. Let me tell you something. If you truly, every, every time you sinned, if you fell back into being dead in trespasses and sins, that means that the Holy Spirit would have to leave you. you number one, you'd never be, you wouldn't be baptized with the Holy Spirit anymore, but the Holy Spirit would have to leave your body. Because that means you would no longer be a renewed or a new wineskin. You'd go back to being an old wineskin. And that's why Jesus said, I can't put new wine into old wineskins. If that's the truth, you'd lose the Holy Ghost every time you did something wrong. You wouldn't be able to speak in tongues. You wouldn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling you and sealing your salvation. Because the Lord couldn't release the Holy Spirit to indwell the believer until they were regenerated into new wineskins. And that's, so you need to understand something. I don't agree. You shouldn't agree. So we don't say things that contradict what the word of God says. Well, how many know we're all sinners? I don't say that. We're not all sinners. There are sinners and there are righteous people. How many know if it, you know, it's like you hear people just saying stuff they grew up saying. I'm hanging in there, brother. How you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there. I'm getting by. Really? Is that what the Bible says about you? That you're barely getting by, that you're hanging in there? Or does it say that you're more than a conqueror? Does it say that you uh, have the victory through Christ Jesus, who gives you the victory? 1 Corinthians 15. I mean, are you going to contradict the word of God? Are you truly just barely getting by you, hanging in there? Or are you more than a conqueror, an overcomer, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation? It's like, which, which one are you? Which one are you? And so that's the key. That's the key. Don't contradict. That's right, Gina. You can be a sinner and saved by grace, but once you're saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner. That's the whole point. So I, I, don't, I don't go around. That's right, Gina. 
I don't go around and say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's a whole different ballgame. And I don't contradict the word of God. Guard, set a watch at your mouth. Guard your lips. Say what God said about you. Say what God said about you. Don't say what people are saying. Don't say what the culture is saying. Don't, it's like, a, you know, this, this last, uh, before the winter came on, this last winter, the White House released that press release, expect a winter filled with sickness and disease. That was an actual press release from the White House. Expect a winter filled with sickness and disease. And I'm sitting there thinking like, since when are they in charge of my healing covenant? So are you going to be one of those Christians that goes around, well, you know, they said there's going to be a spike in sickness this winter. You know, I don't know. They're saying it's going to get bad. I, th I think this is going to be kind of a rough winter. We're just going to really have to. And like people take that because some quote unquote specialist said, that there's going to be a spike. You've got to be expecting a, a, a winter of sickness and disease. And there are actual Christians that'll, that'll listen to that and they'll, they'll believe it and that'll be what comes out of their mouth. Love you too, Pam. It'll just be what comes out of their mouth. And all of a sudden, they're, contra they're contradicting the word of God and they're saying what the world is saying. I refuse. Set a watch at your lips. Number 13. Uh, those that are unstoppable, those that are... Uh, extremely and extraordinarily successful. The, they are resourceful people. They are number 13. They are resourceful people. What does that mean? They don't just depend on their job. They're always doing something. All the things they set their hand to is causing them to build resource. Those that are, uh, truly successful, they'll, they might do multiple things. They're not locked down. Their job doesn't determine who they are. Their boss doesn't determine who they are. Their salary doesn't determine what they can have. They're resourceful people. A resourceful people. Look at this uh, really powerful thought here. Luke chapter 16. And this, this also is kind of a funny, this makes me laugh. This, this, this story about this servant. Luke chapter 16. I'll start reading with, with uh, verse number one. It's a parable of Christ. Luke 61, Jesus also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be a manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that I'm removed from management. People will receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much money do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said, take your bill and sit down and quickly write 50. And he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, take your bill, write 80. And the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who's dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you've not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will you entrust, who will entrust you to, to the true riches? And watch this now, if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you? that which is your own. 
No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. That's Luke 16, 1 through 13. You can't serve God and money. But notice this, this manager was shrewd, and his master commended him on his shrewdness. It, it, it's mind-blowing to me that you'll have people that just because they're Christians, they expect God will work everything out about their business. Well, the Lord will send me clients. Well, the Lord will open the doors. The Lord will. And you got people in the world that, that are putting in all the hours, all the time, going after it with everything they got. Marketing, they're studying, they're going, I mean, and literally they're, they're doing all that they can do. They're studying to show themselves approved. They're being diligent. They're being faithful. They're working and they're working hard. And you got Christians that'll, they'll start a business and say, oh, I'm just believing. I'm just believing God will open the doors. God will give me clients. And do you know you have an advantage? And can you imagine if, you know, we talk about it all the time here. It's like, it's, we'll, we'll pass something or see something that's mind blowing to us. It's like, they don't, they don't do anything in the natural. They, they expect it to work. And then they're like surprised when it's not working the way they thought it would. I understand how come my business isn't taking off. I understand how come I got no clients. I understand what, and it's because people that are in the world, as this parable says, are more shrewd than those that are in the kingdom of light. Because don't, don't fall into the trap of expecting God to do all the work. God expects us to be diligent. God expects us to work. And yes, he'll give you ideas, but you got to work those ideas. You've got to do those things. And God, who gave you the idea, will put his hand of blessing on diligent, resourceful people. Don't allow your job, don't allow your boss, don't allow your salary to define what you can do and who you can be in, in life. Do you realize, especially now, with the internet, there are so many things you can do online and at home when you get home from work. I did a whole video on it one time because people act like it's impossible. I showed practical ways that like even if you go work a full-time job and you come home even if you've got children once those children go to bed you could put in two three hours at night after bedtime and literally add that to your week 15 hours of work from home and all this extra coming in because you're resourceful you have things you know you can do beyond what you do at your nine to five and i'm telling you it would blow people's minds to see what's available to them if they would just work it. If they would just be resourceful, if they would just be shrewd and the Lord will help you. The Lord will help you. Number 14, get this in your spirit. Successful people, unstoppable people always plan for the future. They always plan for the future. Let me read this to you now. And this is Jesus talking about discipleship, but he said, uh, which of you, this is Luke 14, 28, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. You see this principle, we plan, we already have, we sit down, we count the cost, we know what it's going to take. We know what it's going to take. You know what I find? Not only do, do most people not have any plans, it, even if they do have a goal, they, it, it's not a plan because they've got no strategy to get to their goal. No strategy to get, even if they've got, you know, and I would call those uh, just, you know, if you've got a vision or if you've just got a goal, that's not a plan. A goal is not a plan. The plan is what gets you to your goal. 
Please put that in the comments. A goal is not a plan. Even a vision is not a plan. The strategy, the plan is what takes you to the vision. It's what takes you to the end goal. So you have to be a planner. You have to be someone who has strategy in place. How would you know how far you've come? You ask people like, uh, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm dieting. What do you want to do? I'm trying to, I'm going to lose weight. That's not a goal. Because if you lost two ounces, you would have lost the weight. How much weight? By when? You know, you see what I mean? You start to put parameters on it. A vision's not a, a plan. A goal's not a plan. You need a strategy. The plan takes you to your end goal. It takes you to your vision. Takes you to your vision. It should be something. I'm not going to go back through it again now, but you know, you go Google smart goals and see that those five things are attached to each goal you have. All five of those things. Very important. You got to know where you're at in the plan. You got to know what to do next. You got to see if it's, if it's working or not working. You got to revamp. And I'm blown away. I was preaching for a pastor one time and we were having amazing success in the meeting. Tons of people being saved. And we went out to eat after the service and I said, so what's your plan to make sure that these people continue uh, in the church and they get plugged in and all that? And he said, oh, I'm just believing they're gonna, God's going to bring them back. Really? That is your plan. That's your strategy. Just believing God's going to bring them back. <laughs> I said, that's terrible. I said, they won't come back. They're not coming back. I said, you don't even have anything in place to tie them into the vision, tie them into the church, get the, nothing. Well, I just believe God's going to bring them back. That's where people are at. And you've got to strategize. You have to have a, not just goals. You, I'll say it this way, and I want you to put it in the comments. Goals without strategies are fantasies. Put that in the comments. Never forget that. Goals without strategies are fantasies. So vital. Goals without strategies are fantasies. Yeah, classic cover-up. I'm just believing God, brother. Just believing God. Keep believing. Goals without strategies are fantasies. Let me read you Proverbs chapter 6. This is talking about diligence for the future. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. That is the danger of laziness. That's the danger of uh, being in a place where you're wandering through life with, with no goal or strategy to get you to the goal. Notice the, the, the example here. The ants have nobody driving them. There's no manager stopping by. There's nobody pushing them to work. They're doing what they know to do because they know what they need for the future. That's Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through uh, I actually read you 6 through 11. And so it's, it's vital. You've got to plan for the future. Now, if, if I sat down with you today and said, you know, what, what is it you're wanting to do? And you say, well, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm believing God's going to bless me. 
It's time, if you don't know what your calling is, it's time to fast and pray. It's time to, it's time to obtain God's plan for your life, but then break it down into digestible chunks where you can move forward and know what you're called to do. What do you want, where do you want to be in three years, five years, 10 years? What is it that you want to be doing? How are you going to get there? How are you going to get there? Most people wander through life. Don't be that person. Successful people do not wander through life. They move purposefully through life. Purposefully. Finally, before we pray, let me give you this. Number 15. Successful people, those that are extraordinarily successful, they let, first of all, they fill themselves with the word and then they let the word define their path. Let me hit you with this. They fill themselves with the word and they let the word define their path. Hallelujah. I'm in Joshua 1. Joshua chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to read you verse 8. It's a well-known verse of scripture to you, I'm sure. But listen to this instruction. Now, Joshua is getting ready to take over leadership from Moses. And this is God's instruction to him before he takes over leadership. Listen, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from where? Your mouth. Notice the book of the law is all the word of God they had at this time. It's all they had. And he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So look at that now. He's filling himself with the word of God, filling himself with the word of God. So that, why are you meditating on it day and night? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Hallelujah. Then you, notice that. He didn't say, then I will make your way prosperous. He said, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. When the word fills you, when you're speaking the word, when you're letting it guide your path, it takes you from success to success to success. Always. You can't put the word of God first, which by the way is putting God first, and finish last. It is impossible. You can't put God first and finish last. And so here, the Lord is telling him, keep the word in your mouth. That means speak it constantly. Keep it in your mind. Meditate on it constantly so that, what? You'll be careful to do and obey everything that's in it. That's letting it guide your path. Then what'll happen? You will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. You know, I was, I was in Bible school and uh, there was a guy, I don't know if he was a Christian or not, But someone I knew was dating his daughter. And um, this guy, who, who really was very irresponsible, irresponsible guy, irresponsible with money, irresponsible in his life, just totally gone. And this guy was dating this man's daughter. Well, this guy somehow weasels his way in to getting the daughter to talk her dad into or talk the dad into co-signing on a loan for a car for him. He wanted to get a car. So he got this girl's dad 
to co-sign on a loan. And it, it, it never fails with this kind of a person. After a while, totally gone, nowhere to be found, wasn't paying the payments on the car. So guess who the payments fall back to? The dad that co-signed on the loan. And if that dad had just abided by a scriptural principle from the book of Proverbs, don't co-sign for a stranger's loan. That's a scripture. <laughs> that is a scripture. Don't put up, don't, don't, don't co-sign basically for a stranger's loan. And it's exactly what he did. Well, why? Well, now we know why Proverbs tells us that. You don't know the character of that person. You don't know their reliability. You don't know anything about them. And now he is suffering. And now he's got money going out his door that shouldn't have to go out his door because he's not in this scriptural principle letting it guide his life. The word of God, if you let it guide your path, you know what the Bible says? A fool spends all that he has. A fool spends all that he has. But there are people, that's what they do. And you know when tax season comes around and tax returns are coming back in because Sunglass Hut, sales are booming there. Foot Locker, sales are booming there. You know, all these different places, blowing it up, blowing it up. You know, <laughs> stimulus check comes in, blowing it up. Forget paying off your debts, forget being debt free, blowing it up, just buying and buying and buying. And people spend all they have, they get everything they get goes out. Go, and they're, they're violating a scriptural principle. The buy, that's right, I need to speak to Louie. I saw that, Lewis, I saw that in a, it was a meme. And it was like a dude that was running into a Louis Vuitton store and he had his stimulus check. He said, stimmy hit, I need to speak to Lewis. And that's what they do. People are spendthrifts. They spend all they have. They can't even do the things they want to do in life. They can't even make the, uh, the decisions they want to make because they don't have the money to make it. They spend everything they get. That's violating a scriptural principle. A fool spends all that he has. And if you let the word of God fill you and then define your path, it brings next level success. Next level success. R read with me. Psalm chapter one. This is something I know Carolyn and I go here a lot because of how powerful this passage is. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. What? On his law, he meditates day and night. On his law, he meditates day and night. That means it's in his spirit. It's in his mind. He's filling himself. And then what does he do? He won't stand in the way of sinners. He will not sit in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. You know why? He's letting that word define his path. Well, what's the result going to be? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. Why? Because he fills himself with the word and lets the word define his path. In all that he does, he prospers. That's how it works. I quote Isaiah 48 to you all the time, verse 17. I am the Lord your God that teaches you to profit. How? By leading you in the way that you should go. This leads you in the way you should go rather than the way you could go. 
And when you put God first, you can't finish last. This word, let it fill you, let it define your path, and watch what will happen. Success comes as a result. Success comes as a result. Let me tell you, this word will tell you who not to hang out with. It'll tell you what decisions you should make, what decisions you should. It'll tell you how to handle your finances. It'll tell you how to handle your mind so you don't get discouraged. It'll tell you how to handle your, your spiritual decisions. It'll tell you and warn you who not to marry so that you're not in a place of uh, turmoil for the rest of your life. It'll tell you how to set boundaries for your relationships. It'll, it'll do everything. This word is a guidebook for your life. And all you do, you fill yourself up with it. You let it guide your path. It guides you into victory after victory after victory. Hallelujah. Guides you into victory after victory after victory. Keeps you healthy. Keeps you strong. Keeps you mentally intact. Keeps your emotions in check. Keeps you, I mean, keeps you in a place of total blessing. If you fill yourself with it and let it guide your path. Set those parameters. Just make up your mind. If this word is not for it, I'm not for it. I'm not for it. Hallelujah. And this will cause you to exponentially increase. It'll cause you to exponentially increase. You'll go to another level and it goes quickly because the word of God moves swiftly. God looks for faithful people. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for people whose hearts are loyal to him. Let me ask you a question before we pray. How would the Lord know if your heart is loyal to him? How would, how would he know? What would be the thing that would let God know there's people whose hearts are loyal to me? It would be how you respond to his word, to his written word. And when he sees your response, he knows there's a loyal person. And what is the promise there? On whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty. God's looking for loyal people on whose behalf he can show himself strong and mighty. So here's the deal. You start letting this fill you and let this define your path and every decision you're making, guess what? God's eyes are finding you like a radar. Pow, you, you ding on his, on his screen. There you are, a blip on God's screen. Loyal person. I'm going to show myself strong and mighty on their behalf. That's his promise. Jesus said in John 14, 21, those who have my commandments and keep them, they're the ones that love me. And the ones that love me, I will love them and my father will love them and I will manifest myself to them. Woo! I will manifest myself to them. That's the power of God. In action, in your life, because you were diligent to fill yourself with this word and let it define your path. I'm telling you, get ready for the best year you've ever had. Get ready to look back on December 20, uh, 31st through back through 2022 and be like, man, I can't believe how much God did in one year. I can't fathom. It, it, it's not even, you can't even explain how he did so much in one year. Can't even explain. Hmm. That's interesting. Facebook's turning off my notifications for the broadcast. I wondered if something was up. That's right. Receive it. Best year ever in your life. A banner year. And that's what I'm praying for you. 
And I'm going to pray for you today. I know there's people that are, that are battling. I know there's people that are going through stuff too. And they're believing for breakthroughs and healing and deliverance. So we're going to pray. God hears our prayers. The Bible tells us, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. That's right, Gina said, it's been the best year so far and the best is yet to come. Amen. Father, I pray for every person watching. I pray for everyone listening. And I ask you today, Lord, that you would supernaturally take hold of them by your mighty right hand and lift them up, head and shoulders above the rest. Those that refuse to be diligent, those that refuse to obey your word, those that refuse to abide by your commandments. I pray you'd lift them up. Let them be seen as someone who is faithful to God. And as a result, you've been faithful to us. And we thank you. I pray, Lord, that those that are in debt, that you would, as you've encouraged them and led them to sow and to be generous, that the harvests are coming back, debts are being canceled supernaturally. We ask you. Those that are battling in their body, some are battling in their mind, Lord, as they wrote in today. I pray you'd touch them supernaturally. Let there be deliverance. Let there be freedom. Let there be healing in physical bodies. We take authority over sickness and disease, command it to loose its grip and let them go in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for that. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I'm asking you, those that maybe they have their own businesses, maybe they're believing for next level, increase. I pray that you would so swiftly increase them that it would blow the minds of natural men who are seeing it take place in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. We give you all the glory and give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Those of you that are watching, those that are listening, the Lord's been dealing with you today, I'm sure, especially as we were talking about the subject of sowing, reaping. The Lord's been dealing with you about a seed to sow. I want to encourage you to take that step of faith like we were talking about today and to sow a seed like you never have. I've been, I mean, April, we sowed like we've never sown. And I'm telling you, I can't wait to see the harvest that are coming back. We've already had harvests come back this year. They're amazing. It's going to keep on happening. It's going to happen for you. God honors his word. And so I want you to ask the Lord what it is. Many of you already know, you feel it in your spirit like I was talking about earlier, where the Lord already impresses on you something that takes faith to do. And I want you to step out by faith and sow that seed today. I love you, all of you that are a part of this ministry. I love you very much. We pray for you. And we're doing, you know, I, one of the things I truly believe and thank God for is that he's connected us together. I thank God for that often. I thank God for the Victory Tribe. God has supernaturally connected us together. I believe that. And I know that the best is yet to come, but man, I'm thankful for what's already taken place. And um, I couldn't be happier to be connected with you and you with me. And so do what the Lord's asking you to do, miracleword.com. You can sow your seed there. <laughs> and uh, if you want to use a digital platform, they're all listed there as well. And uh, you can even give by cryptocurrency if you'd like to, however you'd like to do it. It's all listed but I want to encourage you to partner with us. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you can stand with us at $100 a month or $250 a month or $500, $1,000 a month. Whatever it is you can do, do what the Lord's asking you to do. And uh, you can click the partner page um, on our website, fill out the form. You can see all that we're doing. Stand with us as we're preaching the gospel and seeing people changed in this final generation before Jesus comes. And uh, our... 
our gift to you in the month of May, uh, those that are sewing $85 or more this month, we're going to send you Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's book, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, as our way to say thank you. Uh, we're going to add to that for people that are sewing $250 or more, Brother Hagen's book, The Triumphant Church. Both of those will shake you up. And like literally, one of the things that happened to me in Bible school, I started reading The Triumphant Church. It changes your whole mindset about the power of God's Christian church. Changes your whole mindset. The momentum with which we should be running at all times. People are always in this struggle mode. The Triumphant Church will change your spirit. And then for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're going to also include with those two the Net Study Bible, 60,000 translators' notes as you're sowing. If you'd like to receive those gifts this month, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And we say thank you for partnering with us. Don't forget, there's a brand new Last Gen episode that is out and available. Alex has been crushing it. It's called, Did I Hear the Voice of God? Very important subject for young people to know and hear about the one thing I wish I could impart to every young person, how to be led by the Spirit. Did I hear the voice of God? Follow him on Instagram, the.last.gen. And uh, finally, the women's conference in Crawfordsville is getting ready to come up on Saturday, May the 14th. It's at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. If you'd like to join uh, Carolyn there, you can go to LegacyChurchCrawfordsville.com. And then uh, if you are going there after the broadcast and you can't remember what it was, you can always go to our website hit the schedule page and there's a link that'll take you right to the registration page for the Flourish Conference. They'd love to have you there. It's going to be a great week. And then Sunday we start revival uh, with uh, Pastor Sam Fitch there at Legacy Church. It's going to be a great week. We'd love to see you there. After that, we're going to Kentucky. We're going to be in Bardstown. We're going to be in Danville, Kentucky. And uh, we'd love to see you. And then it's the first tent meeting of the year, Johnson City, Tennessee. All the details are on the website. We'd love, love to see you in a live service through the summer. It's going to be great revivals, man. I'm looking forward to it. I love you. Have a great day. And I'll talk to you again in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.